Okay, let's go upstairs and answer some Bible questions. We're going to talk today on last days again, what the Bible says about last days. All right, here we are. We're going to be covering the subject of last days. We started last time. Eight times the last days is mentioned in the Bible, three times in the Old Testament and five times in the New Testament. So we've taken our Bible program here and we have... Uh, taken all of the places where last days appears and looked them up and now we've transferred them to a document here and having covered the Old Testament we will now cover the New Testament. You know when it's announced there's going to be an earthquake or uh, an asteroid hit uh, or a, a hurricane is going to hit Florida uh, everybody wants to know when. Well, there's coming a bigger catastrophe to the earth. It's called the Great Tribulation, and it's also going to be followed by the Great White Throne Judgment a thousand years later, which is going to bring total eternal destruction to many people. So everybody wants to know, when is the world going to end? When is Jesus going to come back? The Bible has a lot to say about that subject. And I have been reluctant all of my life to say that, okay, these are signs that it's going to happen real soon. Uh, I've lived through a lot of things in 75 years, and yet there's never been a time when I was able to say, okay, this is it. Uh, and as I read history, I read where many times Christians have said, okay, this is it. Great pandemics, great wars, uh, great famines and floods and different things and political upheavals and uh, people just felt like, okay, this must be the end of the world. And so Jesus said, don't be alarmed. There'll be wars, rumors of wars. These things must need to be, must need come to pass, but the end is not yet. And so we live in a time that is unique now to me after all these years. I, I see signs, indications, uh, the development of events that indicate, I believe, that we are truly in the last of the last days. So let's look at uh, several verses on that subject. Now the first one is in Acts chapter 2. Now this quotes one that uh, is in Joel that we dealt with already. Uh, so it's a very exact quote. Now it's on the day of Pentecost and Peter is preaching. And uh, he said, this is that which was spoken by Joel the prophet and it shall come to pass in the last days. Remember, this is a quote from something that occurred hundreds of years earlier before the New Testament. This shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. The emphasis is not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That would be unique. Prophecies were normally deserved for a special class of prophets. And your young men shall see visions. It wasn't common for people just generally to see visions unless God had a special purpose in their life like David or Samuel. And your old men shall dream dreams. Now that's not just any kind of dream. That's a, a divinely given dream like Daniel had. 
and on my servants and on my handmaidens. That's, that's everyone. Will I pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. So there's going to be across the board, not, not every Christian, not every believer, but there will be in every class of believer, male, female, young, old, in the last days, the Spirit will be poured out and cause these manifestations of prophecy. Now, when I hear someone say they've got a prophecy, my first response is skepticism. I'm a born skeptic. Uh, I am scientifically inclined, and I want proof. I want evidence. And so I doubt every so-called prophet to begin with, but I always stay open because I know I have seen prophecies that are proven to be accurate, proven to be true. And I know that among us today, there are those having visions and dreams that are from God. Now, sometimes those visions and dreams conflict, so somebody's wrong. Someone is wrong. It could, it could be an honest, sincere mistake from an over-fervency that causes people to think they have a prophecy from God and don't. I think sometimes it's people trying to interpret their vision or their dream and tell us what it means, and they're interpreting according to what they see going on around them, and uh, their interpretation's wrong. Daniel had visions and dreams that uh, he couldn't interpret on his own. Had he tried, he would have come up with a spurious definition. So God had to come and interpret his dreams for him. So I pray that you interpret so I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. Now, it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 20, despise not prophesying. So the modern Christian who doubts that there are any prophets at all going on is standing diametrically opposed to the words of God. Now, I know, and the charismatic movement, everybody wants to be a prophet. And their prophecies are shallow, uh, like a... Uh, birthday cake uh, uh, that somebody's baked with icing on it. It's just, uh, it's weak and it, 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 it causes us to not trust prophets. But don't let that prevent you from paying attention. You don't have to believe it immediately, but pay attention when someone gives a prophecy. Look at their life, look at their reason for doing it, look at the prophecy, and then hold in abeyance your response and mull it over and let the Spirit of God speak to you about it. Compare it with Scripture. Now, the um, words there in Acts goes on, and this is a continuing quote of Joel, and, and I will show wonders in heaven. Now, this doesn't happen until the tribulation. Above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Read the book of Revelation. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Those are words repeated in the book of Revelation. Before the great and notable day of the Lord come. Now, the day of the Lord is the day of God's judgment, which takes place at the tribulation, the latter half of the seven years, and the second coming of Christ, and the great white throne judgment that follows a thousand years later. Before the great and notable, uh, it is notable, day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass 
Now remember when it says come to pass, shall come to pass, the future tense, is speaking of five, six hundred years before Christ. So he's speaking of somewhere in the future of 25, 2600 BC. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The emphasis here is that whosoever, Jew, Gentile, sinner, saint, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is an announcement that the gospel is going to be available to all people, not exclusive to Jews. So that has come to pass already, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, the last days, perilous times. Do we live in perilous times right now? If you live in Seattle, you probably think so, or Chicago, or in China, or in Russia, or in Venezuela, or Israel, or Jordan, or Syria, or Iraq, you probably feel like you're in perilous times. Perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. This is what causes the perilous times, is that men shall be lovers of their own selves. Boy, is there, is there a better description of our day and age? Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, that late night comedians, disobedient to parents. Has there ever been a day and age when the youth could, it could more be said of youth that they're disobedient to parents? Unthankful, and that goes across the board, unholy. We live in a day and age when very concept of being holy is reputed without natural affection. That means that God created us to have affection. And the last days will be characterized by people having affection for something unnaturally. Did you know that uh, one out of seven uh, mainline senior pastors confess to being on pornography, to being addicted to it? One out of five youth directors confess to being on pornography. And 60% of Christian men confess to being on pornography. It's well known outside Christian circles by psychologists, psychiatrists, and social workers that people who do pornography lose their natural affection. I dealt with that in my video series, The Science of Addiction and the Brain. Uh, natural affection is diminished by digital sex. Uh, something actually happens in the brain that changes. We live in that age. Truce breakers. Uh, false accusers. <laughs> Social media. False accusers. Incontinent. That's lack of self-control. Uh, they say old men who, well, get incontinent. That's lack of self-control. But he's not talking about old men. He's talking about, in general, people cannot control themselves. Uh, they can't control their spending. They can't control their eating. They can't make themselves exercise. They can't get up out of their chair. They can't uh, stop working to spend time with the family. Uh, they can't resist TV. 
uh, music, uh, buying, shopping, entertainment, incontinent. People's lives are not ruled by self-discipline. Despisers of those that are good. Boy, that, that's the time in which we live. People despise those that are good. Traitors, heady. That, that's a confident opinions expressed as being in your head is heady. Uh, it's, it's being overly confident and overly, uh, uh, how would you say it, trusting in your own views. Confident opinions, heady, high-minded. That means people are trying to be above their station, trying to be uh, wise, trying to be powerful. Their minds are set on high things, higher than they are suited to. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the time we live in. Having a form of godliness but denying the power there. He's not talking here about the rank uh, heathen. He's not talking about the atheist. He's not talking about uh, godless Russians or Chinese. He's talking about professing Christians having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Most of the Christian church is corrupt. By and large, the Christian church is a corrupt institution. It's a worldly institution. By and large, most preachers are as equally as corrupt as politicians. I say that from someone who's been a preacher for the last 60 years and having known a lot of people. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, sneak in, privately go in, and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust. So you say, but I've never creeped into a house. When you, when you pay uh, on the computer or your cell phone, when you pay, to view a woman and talk with her online, to have her perform sexually for you. You've crept into houses and leading captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust. And a large segment of the male population and one third of pornography is viewed by females. People are creeping into other people's private houses, bedrooms, People laden with sins, divers lost, ever learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Have you ever seen a time when universities are more full of people who are learning, 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 and learning nothing? Never able to come to the knowledge of the truth about anything. Uh, about Not only about uh, religion, but about politics, about science, about art, about music. Uh, about uh, finances, <laughs> unable to come to the truth. Now, as Jamies and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. So it's not just a passive ignorance, it's an actual resisting the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. That means they rejected the faith until their heart is so hardened they cannot perceive it any longer. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. So in the last days, the folly of this foolishness is going to be made manifest. 
I think some of the science of the brain has revealed the folly of some of the claims that have been made by, by the trans community, by the queer community, uh, by the pornography users, the drugs, the alcohol users, all the defenses that people have put up have shown the unnaturalness of these practices and the actual destructiveness, apart from what you think about religion or God, they're actually inherently destructive to the human body and mind. Now here's another one, but this one we're going to skip because it talks about Christ coming in the last days. And then James 5, 1 through 20, Go to now, you rich, and weep, and howl, for your miseries shall come upon you. Uh, you know, that may be within months. Your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. A time when wealth is suddenly disappears. Uh, you know, gold can't get uh, cankered. Gold can't rust. Gold can't, uh, it's, it's always there at last. But there's going to come a time when the riches are going to be corrupted. Gold and silver is cankered. Uh, that's like a contradiction of the physics of gold and silver. And the rust of them shall be witness against you. Something people never would believe would happen is that gold and silver is going to dissipate the value of it like rust. And shall eat your flesh as it were fire. You have heaped your treasure together for the last days. Now, I've got maybe a pocket full of silver that I inherited in the family line that we've just had all these times, some silver dollars. I think maybe it's 15 or 20, something like that, some silver dollars. And I've kept them because I didn't, didn't need to spend them. But there's going to come a time when it's going to be worthless. Uh, the time when you won't be able to buy anything with it. When the only food you'll be able to get will be what you can gather out of the woods or the fields or your yard. And uh, that may be sooner than we think. 2 Peter 3, well, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. So the last days is mocked increasingly by scoffers, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water, and in the water, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So he said they're ignorant of the time when the earth was covered with water, when God destroyed it in a time of judgment. But he said now the earth is reserved under fire. You can be certain this earth is going to be burned up and the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat according to the book of Revelation. And so I paint pictures knowing that everyone I paint, as Isaiah said, will be burned up and destroyed. I uh, do a lot of things. I build a nice house and put a lot of work into it knowing that it's going to be destroyed. Uh, everything we put our hands to Everything but what's in our heart, our mind, our soul is going to go. And God may just snatch some of it away from us here in these last days to bring us to a place to where we're willing to walk by faith and not by sight. 
to where we stop trusting in the banking system, stop trusting in the government, and are thrown upon God and His mercy and our own resources. So, uh, I believe we, we're living in the last days. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So that means there's been two last days since Jesus was here on earth. Two last days. So we're now living in the third last day. Uh, but actually, if you count from his death, then we're, we've not yet quite completed the second last day, which would take place about, uh, let's see, subtract four from uh, 33, about 27, 28, somewhere along there. Uh, maybe 29 A.D. would be the end of the second day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. See, God wants you to come to repentance. He's not wanting you to be patient or tolerant. He's wanting you to come to repentance. He's not wanting you, he's not asking you for anything other than the to realize that you have been a person of sin and disobedience and error. Change your mind about that. Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and worship Him. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. That won't happen until a thousand years after the end of the tribulation. In other words, at least 1,007 years from now. But the rapture of the church, when Jesus comes back, could be today, right now, as you hear this. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, the elements, what manner of person ought you be in all holy conversation and godliness? <laughs> when you know this world is passing away, it ought to make you more godly. I ought to change your conversation. I'll change what you write on the web. Looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of the Lord, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's what I'm looking for, a new heavens and a new earth. Now, there's a couple more passages that use last time, not last days, but last time. Let's look at those. Little children, it is the last time. And you've heard that Antichrist shall come, a singular Antichrist. Even now are there many Antichrists. So right now, there are people in this world who are like the Antichrist. They're only on a smaller scale. Whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us. See, an Antichrist is not an atheist. An Antichrist is a Christian. Uh, an Antichrist is a, uh, a leader in the Christian church. The Antichrist will be a Christ, someone claiming to be Christ. But they went out from us. They part of the system. But they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would not have continued. They would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. If you have a preacher that denies that Jesus is God, he's an Antichrist. 
If you read the periodicals that deny that Jesus is God, then he's an antichrist. The Jehovah's Witness religion, the entire religion is an antichrist religion, denying that Jesus is God. The Mormon religion, the entire religion is an antichrist religion, denying that Jesus is the eternal God and Father. Now, the original Book of Mormons said he was the eternal God and Father, Jesus Christ was. But they removed that from later copies. I know I've got the original photostat copy of the Book of Mormons, and I've read it and compared it to the modern one, and I've marked all the times when they've removed that Jesus is the eternal Father. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. So you cannot deny Jesus Christ and have God the Father. But he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Here's the a, here's a last one. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before by the apostle Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time, <laughs> comedians, who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercies of God. Have compassion. Save some with fear. And then, uh, here's, uh, there is a final one. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not here appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And here, here's the final verse. And everyone that hath this hope in him purifies himself, even as he is pure. When you have this hope of the second coming of Christ, it'll cause you to look for those imperfections in your life and get them out. When you really believe that Jesus is coming back, like if you believed an asteroid was going to hit the earth, would it change the way you buy, the way you shop, the way you spend your spare time? It, when you know a hurricane is going to hit where you live, does it change your life? When you really believe that Jesus is coming back and this elements are going to melt with a fervent heat and you're going to stand in judgment and give an account for everything you've done in your body, it changes the way you live. If it doesn't, then you don't believe it. It's just that simple. Uh, and everyone that hath this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. Those of us who believe that Jesus is coming back, who know it, uh, it changes the way we live. It makes us purify ourselves in ways that we wouldn't if, if we were allowed to be relaxed and just think it's going to last on and we're going to grow old and die and nothing's going to change. But knowing that this year could be the year, this month could be the month, this day could be the day, causes us to purify ourselves. All right, uh, that is all for today.